So by the time I got myself out of the bathroom that I'd been locked in, <laughs> it had been like four months. Oh, welcome back to River Heights Radio. I'm Carl Hauser. And I'm Hope Busby. And we are back after a short hiatus to talk about our favorite hula dancing paddling volcano expert nancy Nancy drew Drew. and her lovely blue eyes and her lovely hawaiian vacation in addition to the secret of Of the the golden Golden pavilion Pavilion. that's its actual title or as we like to call it the moss covered mansion 2.0 basically the same plot yeah. A different style. And far ruder house guests. A lot more vague microaggression racism. Mostly just use of the term oriental. Mm, there's some other stuff. And that's why I call it microaggression, because it all seems to be like under the surface. Yeah, of. I think it's I think it includes a lot of interesting whitewashing of the history of our acquisition of Hawaii. And like questionable is this cultural appropriation or is this Appreciation. Appreciation, like, I don't know. IDK, but since it's Nancy Drew, I'm going to assume it's bad. (laughs) Well, you always have difficulty when it seems like a character Mm. is gratefully receiving culture from a member of that culture but then you remember the member of that culture was written by someone who wasn't Mm -hmm. so it's as if uh carolyn keen has her hand in a bunch of little hawaiian puppets Mm -hmm. saying it's okay nancy join us Mm -hmm. in terms of a mystery i think this one was beneath nancy drew it was this is nancy drew's vacation where she happens to solve some puzzles to solve some puzzles while sightseeing and of Avoiding a a gang that will be thwarted by others. This is also one of my favorite intros. Like, just, they just get started fast, and it's so eccentric to me. Togo has won a dog show, as he always does. And Nancy Drew is coming home via helicopter. Private helicopter. Now, Nancy Drew flies a lot of places, but this is the first time I've heard of her returning from a neighboring town. Some distance away. In her own helicopter. Privileged Nancy Drew (laughs) says to the pilot of the helicopter, Hey, can we go lower? I just really want to see my house from the sky. Yeah, do you mind just kind of buzzing my house for me? And I love the pilot holding his boundaries. He's like, no, I cannot. That's against the regulations. Here, have some freaking binoculars. <laughs> he carries those just for all the people who ask him to fly low and buzz their asses. At which point she sees through the binoculars a thief climbing into the third floor window of their house. But surely they would have a burglar alarm on the third floor. Nope, only the first two floors. Oh, the first and second. Mm-hmm. But not the third. They should have thought of that, really. As she's excitedly telling the pilot, Hey, dude, my house is getting robbed. Please call the police. She takes the time to stop and explain to him who Hannah Gruen is. <laughs> it literally says that. I love it. Yeah. I hope he doesn't hurt Hannah, said Nancy. Nancy, then explained yeah. and then just like mm-hmm. all the stuff we the know about normal Hannah. Yeah. introduction yeah the whole time the helicopter pilot's like yeah 
Okay, uh-huh. Yeah. About this time, the thief exits the house, carrying a briefcase, which Nancy surmises must be her father's briefcase. He then uses this newfangled collapsing ladder. <laughs> it's basically the ladder we all know and love. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, because they made it sound like some crazy new invention, but it's just that ladder that's two ladders that slide up and down. You saw it here first in a Nancy Drew novel. <laughs> yeah. Probably the the person who made that patent read this novel. (laughs) Yep, probably. They were like, I can make that a reality. So at the airport, Carson (laughs) Drew says, so good to see you again. He unfortunately did not catch the burglar. Tall, handsome Carson Drew. Oh my gosh, how embarrassing for Hannah Gruen. She was there the whole time and didn't even hear the burglar. Well, at a certain point you get so many burglaries that you're just going to sleep through them. So what are the stakes here? What has been stolen from the Drew household, Carl? Paperwork. It's a briefcase full of paperwork, but also, importantly, a wooden carved trinket of some sort. Of no monetary value. But, like, also one of a kind? Yeah, (laughs) yep. Just like like when I make a little clay figurine, it's one of a kind, but no one will pay for it. Now, the funniest thing is they're like, hmm, he could have been after the paperwork, but why would he also want the wooden trinket that is valueless? Yeah, why wouldn't he open up the briefcase (laughs) and sort through it real quick? He took the paperwork, but he also took a little package of goldfish snacks that I had. You guessed it. He wanted that paperwork for a special reason. Yeah, it's always a special reason. At this point, Carson Drew explains that the papers and the figurine had to do with a case he's on for Mr. Sakamaki. Who inherited his grandfather's estate, but that inheritance is being contested. When Carson Drew met with his client, he met at a public restaurant, not even a private one. They didn't even get a private room within the restaurant. So Carson Drew's theory is that somebody overheard them, decided to rob the house, and steal the briefcase. Yeah, I think they mentioned, though, that at that conversation, they not only learned about the briefcase, but also about the fact that the third floor didn't have burglar alarms. Mm -hmm. And Carson, why did that come up? Meanwhile, the thief still has not been apprehended. Hannah prepares a midnight snack of angel food cake and fruit juice. Mm. Mm, Lots of sugar right before bed. Yeah, you want want something to metastasize while you're sleeping. Luckily, that collapsible ladder is a really good clue. Ah, but first she has to meet Mr. Camuela Sakamaki. He is described as being of medium height, uh, with lightly bronzed skin, and friendly dark eyes. These aren't your scary dark eyes. I I noticed that these are probably the first friendly dark eyes we've ever seen. He describes himself as part Polynesian and part Japanese. And the way he says it was like, I'm sure you're wondering or something. As if they were just on the edge of their seats to know his, like, composites. And he has to explain, my Polynesian first name means Sam. And when necessary, I use the English version for business. And one wonders how often that's necessary. Probably constantly. Probably pretty often. Listen, I'm not some weirdo. Mm. I've got an English name. But he specifies, right after saying this, I am very proud of my Polynesian forebears. Which, I mean, good on Carolyn Keene for putting a little bit of pride in one's heritage in there. So Mr. Sakamaki has made a living off of knowing 
an ancient Polynesian technique for finishing wooden items. And so he sells furniture mostly. He uses shark skin instead of sandpaper. Just like they just like they used to. He's in town because he's lecturing and demonstrating this technique. At a furniture factory. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, I'm always so excited to catch a lecture on the furniture factory circuit. He gives Nancy two symbols that he's found that supposedly pertain to some kind of secret that his grandfather left him. Yeah, should anyone think that the little stolen wooden trinket would be the first clue? No, that doesn't matter so much. He's got some symbols. And and this is where I just really feel like this is beneath Nancy. Her father is solving the mystery of two people asking that they be included in an inheritance. And claiming Mr. Sakamaki's grandfather had a first wife. Yeah, who he abandoned. But he was a good man and wouldn't do that. Yeah, well obviously we all know our grandpas well enough to know what they would or wouldn't do in their erstwhile youths. When it comes to my grandfather's long and storied sex life, I am well aware. Nancy does what I imagine anyone would do and seeks out an expert in Polynesian. Which, like, it's weird he didn't think of that. Yeah, and it's weird that he didn't just have one on speed dial. Or I know not speed dial, but, you know, essentially. Right, in his Rolodex. Like, he's not only a proud Polynesian, but he's involved in the culture and involved in the history and knows, we find later, several academics. The grandpa has requested that Mr. Sakamaki not sell anything from his estate or his estate itself until until he solves this mystery and the mystery is just like the mystery of the estate until you find her mysteries it becomes clear throughout the book that the grandpa really intended for the grandson to solve this mystery if anything it's a posthumous scavenger hunt but nancy looks on the bright side she says this was a new and different kind of mystery for her to solve. Someone else's. And you know, none of the other mysteries had started out with such a challenging clue. Again, just some translation. The other problem is that the estate is being haunted by a hula dancer. <laughs> I mean, is, is that a problem or just, it's a flavoring. It's part of the charm. Really. It's part of the charm of the estate. Yeah, but the problem is she's appearing at a golden pavilion, which yeah. is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like all the descriptions of this pavilion. Oh my gosh. A, a, a wonder of architecture, really. Mm-hmm. And somebody is hacking up the floor of this beautiful pavilion around the same time that this ghost appears. Yeah, she's a probably like a hula dancer in ice skates, I would Im- imagine. Just walking around hacking it up. Now, when I heard Golden Pavilion, I thought maybe like traces of gold, maybe painted gold. No. No. It literally is covered in gold leaf. Yeah. You can scrape this thing down and make a pretty penny on uh, webuygold.com. Now, Mr. Sakamaki is quite wealthy, but he's worried about this brother and sister who also want part of the estate because he would like to give this estate away to Honolulu so that they can use it as like a theater and like for the public. Yeah, he's basically like a celebrity on a game show. It's not about him winning for him. Mm. It's about him winning for Hawaii. Furniture pays 
extremely well. The thing is, no one else knows where to get the sharks. Him having a lot of money also means he so badly wants this scavenger hunt solved that he is willing to ship Nancy off to Hawaii. Not just Nancy, but any friends she wants to bring, plus Hannah Gruen, to watch over her. Listen, Nancy, I don't want to deal with my grandfather's bullshit. No expense is too high. And I do appreciate this because in Moss Covered Mansion, when they just pop off to Florida and have a Florida vacation, it is never explained how any of them really afford this vacation. And then on vacation, they also buy a house. And it's just like, we know Nancy Drew's wealthy, but she's not usually portrayed as like, buy a house on a whim wealthy. Even this time, she doesn't say, oh, can I afford a Hawaiian vacation? She says, oh, I'd love to bring Bess and George, but... They might not be able to afford it. I don't know. It's not me. I can buy anything. Now, Carson Drew is also doing pretty well because he says, well, then you pay for my girls to go on vacation and I will do your real estate lawyering pro bono. I love how she can't agree to the vacation until Carson Drew says that's okay. Yeah. It sounds marvelous, doesn't it? Says Nancy. Almost like a dream. I can hardly believe it. Yeah, it's uh, it's worked out pretty well for you, Nancy. But it's about to work out even better. Yeah, you see, she just happens to look over at the neighbor's house and there's a window washer there with a pretty recognizable ladder. One that's never been invented before. The collapsible ladder. We should probably go investigate him, says Nancy. Sure enough, they question him. She decides he's honest. He's genuinely surprised that his ladder could be involved in crime. I love that it's the Acme window cleaning company. Yeah, very Looney Tunes. I love too that she's like, isn't it unusual for ladders to be used for window washing? Yeah, but the thing of it is, this is a brand new ladder and I wanted to test it. Oh, did you let anyone borrow it? Well, as a matter of fact, and I'm angry about it. Because he didn't rent it to the way we agreed. He, he didn't even pay. No, he skipped out on his uh, bill at the hotel. Not only that, but he was Irish. <laughs> that pissed me off too. Jim O'Keefe. Ugh. He was medium height, dark and slender, with thinning hair. Another important clue that yeah. I still don't fully understand. So that wasn't distinct enough, so Nancy says, think really hard. Was there anything distinct about this person? Well, come to think of it, he did drum his fingers on my desk before touching his pointer fingers together. Ooh-woo. Yeah, exactly, which is like, I don't know how he did it. I'm, I'm imagining later we'll find out it's some sort of Illuminati or gang sign. Right now I'm just seeing like that, yeah, like that shy ooh-woo touch. Kind of a funny thing to do, isn't it? As Carson Drew and Nancy are discussing the upcoming trip, Nancy finally decides it's time to mention to her father that all the boys they date are on a school trip right now to the same area of Hawaii. I would like to point out that she really waits till the last minute mm. to be like, oh, and hey, uh, a bunch of boys are coming. <laughs> Which should be a red flag for any any teenage father. Like, at some point, you're just building a house party. Yeah, he says, this sounds like a Hawaiian house party. And uh, luckily their house parties are more about, you know, learning about rocks than they are about drinking and driving but and, still and luckily carson is deeply misogynistic and is just really glad that there's going to be some boys there to protect the girls yeah it's got to be one of the only times nancy calls both bess and george and neither of them pick up 
Yeah, it, was there any reason for that? No. It didn't further anything. Nope. And she calls later and they can go in case you're, you know, on the edge of your seat. <laughs> this is when she uh, visits the expert, the Professor Wharton, who knows exactly what those symbols mean within like 10 minutes of looking in his book. They are, in fact, ancient hieroglyphics uh, from Hawaii. Ancient Polynesian symbols. One means water. And the second one means death. Or sleep. The word for sleep and death were the same because it's just a matter of when you wake up. Naturally, she lets Mr. Sakamaki know immediately, and he is just wowed by her already having solved part of the mystery. Now, on an island such as Hawaii, on a property next to the water, (laughs) one would imagine that the only thing that water could refer to is the golden pavilion near the water, kind of. However, she admits, as to the sleep or death symbol, I have no idea. So has she really solved anything? She hasn't. And later, I think we'll find out that the sleep or death symbol is as bad of a clue as water is to the pavilion. You know, she's very excited that there's a ghost involved. Yes, we we stand a ghost. <laughs> is it really even a mystery if there's no ghost? No, then it's just a then it's just a riddle. So, of course, this is the place in which the client finally realizes that Nancy might get in trouble and says, "Please don't do it after all, Nancy." And Nancy says, "I'm in too deep." <laughs> I heard there's a mystery, yep. and there's no stopping me now. It, may, it just makes me want to do it more. Yeah, yes, you say you say not to, and you're just making it worse, buddy. She finally gets a hold of Bess and George, and she says, "Big adventure coming up." Wait a minute, asks Bess. Is this going to be a real vacation, or is it going to be a mystery vacation? Yeah, is this adventure just for fun, or is it going to be full of hair-raising episodes like the other mysteries we've worked on together? Wait a minute, Nancy. Is this going to be the first time ever that it's not a mystery, or is it going to be exactly like it's always been? George is ready for something different. She does not enjoy the humdrum life that River High has to offer. I don't think it's so bad. <sighs> they don't even have a dog show here. Bess does think after hearing about the case that it sounds dreamy, but also dangerous. Hypers! I can hardly wait to go, says George. Hypers? Have we heard that before? Hannah is excited because this is one time I can keep an eye on you while you're working on a mystery. Not the first time and not something Hannah does very well. No, but Hannah is worried because they have volcanoes out there. Yeah, everyone really acts like a volcano they treat it like it's a bear like it's just something that might sneak up on you and like just explode in addition to the danger of volcanoes their food is different out there well pack it in i'm not going hannah dear said nancy it's high time you learned about our newest state of hawaii it is one of the most up-to-date places in the world the state of hawaii bustling infrastructure up to date with the rest of the world I can tell you a few facts about Hawaii, George spoke up. I'm sure it's good info for young girls to be learning. I I don't remember what George said, and that's usually true. What I didn't like is George said that the population is made up mainly of pure Hawaiians. Just pure Hawaiians? Part Hawaiians. I thought there might also be part Hawaiians. Caucasians. Sure, the white people. And Orientals. Multiple things problematic here. One is, not the term we use. Two is, why are you sorting Hawaiians into purebred and not purebred? 
what is wrong with you? You, you know, this is the only state she's talked about like this. We didn't go to Florida <laughs> and hear about the population. But don't worry, the most handsome people in the world live in Hawaii. Best made a wry face at her cousin. Well, you certainly have been reading up on it, she jibed. Bess, I am so bored here. I've been reading about all sorts of places. <laughs> Bess suddenly gives a little squeal. She has remembered now that the boys are out in Hawaii as well. They could have been in a different part of Hawaii entirely, but they weren't. We have to accept that someone is following someone. There's no way for these people to end up in the same place this often. Before Carson takes any cases... He checks where the boys are at. Yeah. Well, Ned gives a loud whoop. This is the most wonderful news of the day, after all. Yeah. He thought that he thought he was just going to go to Hawaii with the boys. But now the girls are there? You'll find our gang at the Halakulani Hotel. That's on Waikiki Beach, isn't it? Nancy asked. What, yes, what is it Google is. Google Maps? What is this? And get there as fast as you can. Don't tell me what to do, Ned. I will get there when I get there, which will be dictated by the steps of the mystery. I'll be in the lobby, says Ned, playing solitaire and waiting for you. What is happening with Ned that his football team's just flying out to Hawaii? Is this team building? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. And then they just leave the team. Yeah, it's just, well, the three of them are the whole team. Yeah. Old Abe, the window washer, calls up Nancy and mysteriously says, Please meet me. I can't talk on the phone. Someone's probably listening. Which fair they probably are george agrees to go with nancy by the time they get there they are there just in time to watch the ladder be pushed away <gasps> and abe fall they don't catch him or nothing george orders nancy to run <laughs> after the man while she gives the window washer medical aid he rubs his back Nancy, obviously along the way, thinks, wouldn't it be nice if I had police assistance? She does her favorite move of flagging down a police officer who happens to be driving by. Yeah, there it is. Gasps out the story. <gasps> so, Hannah Gruen is my kind of mom, but my mom died, and now there's... So the surly looking man that they catch up with had a shock of black hair. It was a very, he had this very feeling of like, I ain't gonna talk. This fellow is one of our town mischief makers. Yeah, me? He happens to be the leader of a gang known as the Green Tigers. <laughs> the Green Tigers. We have a real gang problem in River Heights. We do, and you know, this is the thing. You have, you know they used to be wildcats. This is what happened is they graduated high school. I know that guy. He, he went to this high school and he was a he was a classic wildcat. <laughs> and he said, I want to keep that feeling. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And now they're the green tigers. And what they do is they wear green and they sing doo-wop. <laughs> and they just intimidate people. Just get up to some good old mischief. But they're very ecologically friendly. And that's mm -hmm. nice. Mm -hmm. They recycle. Well, he didn't think anyone had seen him pull this ladder out. And of course, everyone had because <laughs> they watched so the hoodlum stared unbelievingly apparently he had been so sure no one had seen him that he was startled into a confession yeah that tracks uh of course he was hired by someone else to do this deed i would imagine they paid him 25 dollars. but he was also threatened if he didn't do it yep i that's 
That's true of the way I've found work to be. I'm both paid and threatened by my boss. He was specifically threatened with getting in trouble with the police, though. The police aren't the Better Business Bureau. They don't care that someone didn't murder someone you paid them to. Oh, I mean, I assume he's just going to tell them the location of this guy who's already in trouble for mischief. Nancy figured out that the guy who hired this guy and threatened him Mm -hmm. is none other than Jim (gasps) O'Keefe. Probably because he tapped a table and put his fingers together. Yep, something funny like that. Hey, buddy, go kill this guy. Ooh-ooh. And you must be Nancy Drew, says the mischief maker. Yeah, he's... This is all your fault. He said you might be around. Yeah, it was because you talked to that window washer that I had to harm him. When you do crime, don't stick around and attack every single person who gets interested in your crime. Just leave. And not only did Jim O'Keefe not just leave, he bragged about being the front man for a slick group. Oh no. Mm-hmm. Not the nationwide group. <laughs> yep. Not the gang that's been terrorizing all of America. Not the... Oh, should I say it now? Are we waiting? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, you know, who could that slick gang be? We don't know. I'm an honest man, says the window washer. I do my work and take care of my family. And invent ladders. I never have anything to do with hoods. I include this because it really gives you a window into the universe of Nancy Drew and all the, like, white Protestantism she represents. This is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to work hard and take care of your family and not get involved with anybody who doesn't do those things. Yeah, I think the American dream is that if you work hard, keep your nose to the grindstone, eventually you'll think up an idea for a new ladder. So he'd called Nancy to the scene to begin with because he received a threatening phone call. Yeah, it's it's so much overkill. He received a call to threaten him because he talked to Nancy about the fact that a guy had rented a ladder from him and it's just like it. Stop covering your your tracks. So back in the 50s, they had a similar problem that we do today, and Hannah Gruen is very worried about packing her suitcase light enough as to not get an extra charge at the airport. She asks Nancy, couldn't we just go to Honolulu without getting mixed up with a lot of underhanded people? Yeah, for once, can we just go to Honolulu? There's an extended scene where Nancy packs her bags, and you know what's cool. Mr. Sakamaki points out that Pele, the sleeping goddess of the volcano, may be what's referred to by the sleep symbol. It's as good an idea as literally anything. And this is fun lore. I enjoyed the lore. I enjoyed hearing about it. Hopefully it was correct. Yeah, that's the thing is I don't trust anything that's presented here. <laughs> it tracks with it tracks with what I've learned from Moana, so you know. <laughs> so after dinner, they happen to flip on the news like you do. Yep, and as the news is wont to do, it had pertinent information. Yep, apparently the boys plane because they're still flying over to Hawaii. Yeah, it's a long flight. Uh, is in trouble. Ah! Yeah, not doing good. And uh, they stay up very late and it's still not doing well. Yeah, it's very like constant news, like Balloon Boy or something. They're just like, we're keeping track of that plane. The plane carrying Emerson College students is still in trouble. Yeah, it wasn't really, like we find out later from Ned that all they did was turn around, go back to the airport and then fly out in a different plane. But like the news didn't know that. So they just kept being like, there's trouble. We don't know what happened. Mr. Drew, though fearful, tried to cheer his daughter by saying that pilots often accomplished miraculous feats. We mustn't give up hope. I think I can name three plane crashes that we've experienced so far. Two of them were Carson, and one was just the old guy. 
on the water. Nancy asks if she should call Bess and George and let them know that their boyfriends are in trouble. And Carson advises against it. However, just then they show up on her porch. Yeah, don't worry their pretty little heads. I'm sorry, they watch the evening news. Hour after hour went by with everyone's hopes dimming. At dawn, Mr. Drew finally suggests that they go to bed. But, of course, they can't sleep. Finally, the news comes over that everyone is safe. Yeah, it's good. Hypers, George cried out. Hypers, we heard that before? Oh, isn't that wonderful? Hannah Gruen prepares them a snack consisting of hot chocolate and toast. Maybe I'm a sissy, says Bess, but after what happened to the boys, I'm not sure I want to fly to Honolulu. Well, Bess, maybe you are a sissy, but they you're all, gonna go anyway. Yeah, they all reassure her she'll feel better in the morning, which she does. Well, police captain McGinnis is on the case. He calls up Nancy Drew. Nancy Drew goes right over to the police station. This is written very much like we just kind of need to know the police are involved. Captain McGinnis informs Nancy that they have found a link between the thief and an unusual nationwide gang. Not your local River Heights Green Tigers. Mm-mm. Oh no. This, this isn't a statewide gang. This isn't a tri-state area gang. This is America's favorite gang. They call themselves the, the Double, Double Scorps. Double Scorps, asks Nancy. Does that have any significance? No. Yeah, it does. It's Double Scorpions. Like, obviously Scorps is short. I I feel like Scorps is obviously short for Scorpions. When you think about it, it is obvious. But it's also stupid. Well... That same gang has stolen a ancient Chinese ring of great value from the home of Mr. Homer Milbank. Homer Milbank. Does, he, does that come up again? No. Okay. On this ring are some familiar symbols. That's right. Polynesian symbols. They're not Chinese after all. Who is in charge of figuring these things out? Because Nancy's really cutting through a lot of bullshit. I'd like to bet, says Chief McInnes, that you'll know within a few hours what those symbols mean. Sure enough, right back to Professor Wharton. Before we had Google, we had Nancy Drew. We do have the symbols on this ring for water and for sleep or death. We take a break to learn about tapa, which is a cloth made from the bark of a variety of mulberry tree. That's one of the symbols. And then the other one is woman. For several minutes, she discusses with Professor Wharton how strange it is that this ring was the only stolen artifact. Captain McGinnis expects Nancy to figure out what the connection is, and she says, aye, aye, Captain, while saluting him. Yeah, like you do. Right then, Nancy thinks of a problem she hasn't thought of. She needs to find a boarding place for her dog, Togo. Oh, god damn it! stop the book. Yeah, but unfortunately, maybe that problem's taking care of for her. Yeah, kind of, just about. Because Togo is missing when she gets home. Dog-napped. It's another case of Hannah again letting this dog out and not thinking anything of it when he doesn't come back. Hannah doesn't want this dog. And we do have that whole mini-sode about how dog treatment was different. Yeah, yeah. At this point in America. Well, Nancy describes a dog catcher, a guy from the pound, very much like the guy in Lady and the Tramp. Yep. uh, With a net. And she's afraid Togo has been brought there. Nope, he's not at the pound. But if you'd like a new one, we got some. So she goes to ask the neighbors, and good old Tommy comes through for her again. Tommy always sees what goes on in the neighborhood. He's the the eyes and ears of the 
this place. Sure, I saw your dog. He went away in a car. Did he not know that guy? I assumed it was an Uber. The man had a bone, which tempted Togo. Yeah. Which Nancy had somehow previously suspected. Yeah. Nancy was stunned. A dog napper. Well, lest you think that Togo needs rescuing, Togo's yeah. gonna pull a Miley Cyrus and rescue himself. The double scorps are no match. The double scorps are no match. For wily little Togo. For one dog. Nancy had been fast friends with Togo, as you know. Yeah, and they're, they're, they get along. The thought of perhaps losing him forever made her very unhappy. We won't say sad. But like, it would, it would ruin her day a bit. Luckily, just then she hears some noises. And at first she thinks he's dreaming, but luckily she's not. Yip, 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 bark. Togo is back. You blessed little thing, says Nancy. Could have really thrown off my schedule if you didn't take care of this yourself. At any rate, he gets food and water in his two special dishes, Mm -hmm. which we now know about. Yep. And she tells him she's going to watch him personally and then falls asleep. And then takes him to a boarding house. And does not bother telling her father or Hannah that their dog is back. (laughs) For all they know, she got a new one. So Nancy decides to stop at Mr. and Mrs. Sakamaki's house and tell them that she's leaving the next day to Hawaii. Mm -hmm. Lucky for her, what she gets out of this is a free hula dancing lesson. She's okay at it. A little clumsy. Knocks over a piece of Polynesian history and breaks it. Yes, uh, in her enthusiasm, she forgot about the smallness of the room and its many art objects, and she happens to knock over an antique outrigger canoe. Seems like it's pretty well set up to make it clear that it was the Sakamaki's fault. I mean, their room is too small, and there's just too many art objects. This is a girl we've seen enter the circus and do flips on a horse's back. We've seen her do multiple ballet and other dance routines. This counts as a major failure. This is the closest we've seen her to failing since the cow milking incident. So I'm going to count it. Yeah. First of all. No, for sure. Second of all, I think it's hilarious because the log of the book this time is Nancy Drew. The only boat that gets destroyed is this antique outrigger canoe which she offers to pay for and in the traditional manner the sakamakis are like no 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 we're rich don't worry about it you're doing a case for us don't worry about it nancy drew really has been hell on boats she sank a lot of boats and it's like they got it out of the way here because they they go boating a lot in hawaii they use boats not even one little problem Huh. That's how you get rid of your bad luck for the book. You just get it out of the way right off the bat. Yeah. She should have been kidnapped early. That would have been smart. <laughs> oh my god, she we'll get into that later. It's at this point that the Sakamakis inform Nancy that the Armstrongs will be meeting them in Hawaii. These are their closest friends who will pick them up from the airport. Definitely doesn't sound like a Hawaiian couple. Back home, unfortunately, Hannah has bad news. Hannah, no. Basically, Carson Drew has been mugged at his work office. Very low security at at the lawyer's office. Yep. He thought it was his secretary coming in. She arrives just a little bit late to work to find him on the ground. Unconscious. Yes. You know, he was fighting really well until his assailant knocked him over the head and knocked him out. I'm sure he was. I'm sure you were doing great, Carson. Unfortunately, this little scrap Carson Drew got into lands him in the hospital, and he's going to have to wait a little while to join them in Honolulu. 
Carson Drew is out of the game. The mystery of Kalua Kua can wait. I don't think we mentioned, but the estate's name is Kalua Kua. Kalua Kua. Mr. Drew says the attacker said something to him, which makes him believe it is imperative for Nancy to get started on solving this mystery. Nancy better not get started on this mystery. Maybe this will keep you on the mainland. (gasps) Nancy's jaw set. It seems to prove that your assailant is one of the double scorps. Double scorps. Which I'm not sure how that proves that, but... Well, you She's see how... She's the detective. You so. see, yeah. Nancy understands things in a deeper way than you and I. Her dad does inform her that the assailant wore a gray tweed suit. It's at this point Nancy goes to the scene of the crime. Sure. She waits for the police to try to find some clues, which they don't. No. And asks for permission to now look herself. Ugh, I hate her asking for permission. I may have a clue, she told the men excitedly. She has found a scrap of the gray tweed suit. I don't know what's more ridiculous. The fact that you would look over a room and not see a whole scrap of tweed. Or what kind of fight do you get in where you can just rip off a section of suit? It's not like Carson had scissors on him. Carson keeps his nails sharp. Oh no! He might have had scissors. It was his office. <laughs> you gotta assume a lot of things in Nancy Drew books, Carl. Yeah, you gotta help. You gotta do. You gotta meet Carolyn halfway. Yeah. <laughs> now we hear a lot about the flight that Nancy, Bess, George, and Hannah go on, including that they meet a very pretty woman who I guess they befriend enough that she reveals that she's an actress who they know of and invites them to come to the set of her current film while they're filming it. Now, this film is meant to be set in Hawaii, but they're filming in California. The first time, information has been given to a person on a plane, and that person wasn't in the gang. Yeah. As they leave the airport, Bess points out that they're being followed. George is kind of snarky about it, but it turns out Bess is right. As always. Bess could be right, says Nancy. (laughs) Bess is absolutely right. Let's lose the tail just in case. Luckily, they have an obliging taxi driver who's like, yes, anything for you, I will definitely throw these guys off of our scent which he does successfully because we've got to protect our visitors nancy is just in time to hear the legend that the movie is based off of explained by the director and then a boom suddenly swings and smashes a big light on set there was a mad scramble for safety and some people did get injured after this incident bess wants to leave george insists they stay luckily for bess the actors also don't want to stay and insist until the director lets them have a day off, like you know directors do. Actors are just as soft as Bess. Nancy promises the actress that they will go see her movie when it's released. It's unlikely she did. Did you see it? Well, yeah. They only played the one movie at the theater. It's a small theater. This section of the book was only to indicate that Nancy and her friends are of the caliber that a Hollywood star would take interest in them. Sure, yeah. Luckily, that tweed cloth was a valuable clue. They now know that that man was Jim O'Keefe. I don't know how. Yeah, wait a minute. Who has, unfortunately, according to the other prisoners, left for Hawaii. Damn. At this point, another quote-unquote hoodlum informs them that O'Keefe was a quote-unquote collector of old jewelry and other small antique pieces. Which I guess connects him to the story. Apparently, he collects them without paying for them. (laughs) 
that's one of the best ways to collect things. Collect things you don't have to pay for. Yeah. Leaves. Like other people's stuff. Feathers. Stolen items. <laughs> Electronics. Mr. Drew laughed. Unfortunately, O'Keefe told the hoodlum that he has a way of selling these items once he steals them, but didn't tell the hoodlum what that way is. Well, there's just a ton of adjacent crime happening mm-hmm. that doesn't really matter. Because, yeah, I mean, if you are in the double scorps, you're going to be involved in a lot of crime. Yeah, the third mystery ends up being what is the involvement of the double scorps? Like, why are they even here? Really, the two mysteries are just a scavenger hunt and this inheritance thing. The double scorps are almost some sort of a stand-in where the idea is it's just a big group of people who, if you meet, they're doing crime. In past books, you might have had that treatment for ethnicities, which is terrible, but luckily as a stand-in, but it's just treated the same way. Well, Hannah Gruen is worried. She thinks that man might continue to cause problems in Hawaii. Unlikely. And she is starting to wonder if she can cope with the situation properly as a chaperone. Yeah, between that and the food being different. But Nancy reassures her. You know all of us have been in tight spots before. We can handle this one. When they get to Hawaii, of course, everyone gets a lay as they get off the plane. Yep. What I found interesting is they had to specify that each girl got a different type of lay from Mm. the Armstrongs. Again, Bess insists that they're being followed. George says, not again. Bess is gonna kind of always feel followed. But probably is right about 50% of the time because it's rare that Nancy isn't being followed. The trauma is really catching up with yep, all of that's these exactly girls right. at this point. Bess is also sure that these are members of the Double Scorps. Double Scorps. Which is the part that seems less like something she can know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they're just following you because they don't know where to go. Could be for a different crime. Yeah. You're involved with stuff. Nancy again says that Bess might be right. And again, Bess is correct. Could be. Ned declares that they're going to throw those snoopers off the trail. They all go to the boys' private apartment in one of the cottages. Convenient. So they all go to the beach now Mm. where you hide from bad guys. Yep. And Mrs. Armstrong, in a Nancy Drew novel first, reminds them of the importance of wearing sunscreen. What? (laughs) Yeah. Nancy Drew and her friend's skin just has to be like leathery cracked by this point because that's never come up. And they spend a lot of time in the sun. Ned wants to go canoeing on a catamaran, but he insists that they swim first. It's a it's a wonderful water day full of paddling and swimming. Splish splash, baby. Now they're like, hey, tell us about that whole plane thing where you almost died. Yeah, what was up with that? And that's like, oh yeah, we just like flew back. But it was really weird because after we flew back, there was this man who wanted to join our flight. So it is kind of implied that the double scorps somehow delayed this plane. Though, again, no clue why or how other than they wanted this man on there. And... And uh, sure enough, it's probably Jim O'Keefe. Tapping his fingers, touching them together. He is now using the name Tim O'Malley. Damn, he's on to us. I wonder if O'Malley is his real name or an alias. I wonder if all his aliases are Irish. Anyway, we know he's in the islands of Hawaii. Let's hope we can trap him. Indeed, Nancy. Ned is glad he's going to be able to help Nancy because it sounds dangerous. Ned is all about that danger life. George says with a chuckle, once the mystery starts breaking at Kalua Kua, we'll be kept hopping with no time for water sports. I don't know if that means what you think it does. I'm sure it won't be that bad, Nancy lies. I mean, Nancy says, <laughs> smiling. I'll give 
you sleuths a few hours a day for fun. Oh, thanks so much, Dave said with an exaggerated bow. That Dave, he's a real punk these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I'm surprised Nancy hasn't replaced him yet. He must be getting pretty serious with Bess. In my head, Bert and Dave are dating each other. George takes this moment to complain about the Muskoka River, which I honestly take offense. Yeah, the most beautiful river. In the whole world. In the world? Chock full of sharks and submarines. She says, it seems to me that every time I go selling on the Muskoka River at home, the wind dies down and leaves me stranded. Yeah, that's part of the charm. Sounds like a you problem, honestly. (laughs) Bess is loyal, as we know. Tried and true, and this is why Bess is my go-to. I'm a Bess as well, although George can be fun in her ridiculousness. Tripping all over the place all the time. (laughs) Bess says, oh well, there's one thing we can brag about. You can't beat the ice skating on our river. Yeah, try to ice skate in hawaii george the hawaiian police have also picked up on some double scorps clues now it's time for dinner at the armstrong's a first course of ripe sliced pineapple then for a main dish delicious mahi mahi a native fish it's true nancy suggests that ned and the boys rent a car so that she may be driven around the island you mean we may have to make a quick getaway george asked goddamn right george you never can tell says ned but also you know what are they gonna follow you in if you don't have a car and the car they rent is a salmon colored convertible that sounds awful oh it's yummy Beth calls out <laughs> ned you'll want to take it home with you says Bess. i'm afraid i will says ned if i had a salmon pink convertible i would be afraid i'd want to take it home too so they arrive at kalua kua and they meet kiabu at your service says the caretaker of mm-hmm. the estate and this is my wife emma from New England. Kiabu is very proud of the Kaluakua estate, which he's helped maintain all these many years. Kept all those gorgeous flowers and rare plants alive. In consideration of these mainlanders, they agree to have dinner early, even though Hawaiians apparently usually eat rather late. But Hannah says, no, let's have dinner at, at the Hawaiian time. I think that while we are here, we should follow the customs of the Hawaiians. The estate includes a tennis court, sure. a bathing beach, yeah. an outrigger canoe, and an absolutely gorgeous pavilion. And all its secrets. In fact, it is the most beautiful pavilion that Nancy Drew has ever seen. And she knows her pavilions. Okay, so it has a black and gold tile platform. Again, this is real gold. Mm-hmm. This platform is about three feet off the ground. There's a lattice work of wood over concrete painted white, which circles the building below the floor. It has a diameter of some 20 feet. A short flight of steps leads up to the platform on two of the sides. Mm-hmm. The golden columns which supported the roof were round and and glistened in the sunlight. The roof itself is completely of gold and patterned in the graceful shape of a plumiera flower. It looks like an oriental temple, George remarked. Not helpful, George. Yeah. This is a big gazebo, right? Basically. Okay. And so artistic, Bess adds, admiringly. The Hawaiian name for Pearl Harbor is Pulua, and the old Polynesians had a legend that it was the home of the Queen of the Sharks. The people who lived around here were said to be friendly with these sharks. Very friendly. Sometimes rode on their backs. Friendly. That's friendlier than I am with most of my friends. Bess gave a little shudder. It's a 
lovely story, but just the same, I wouldn't want to meet a shark out in these waters. So apparently the queen of the sharks is said to have kept any man-eating sharks away from the harbor. Kiabu and Nancy hear a strange whistling at this point. I do not like it, says Kiabu. It may mean trouble. When they investigated a similar whistle the other day, him and his wife, they returned to find their cottage had been ransacked. We do find out later it's just a person going... Like, that, I don't know if I'd call that a strange whistling. I'd be like... Maybe they're just not very good at it. <laughs> so it is here that Kiyabu reveals that after Mr. Sakamaki Sr. died, several statuettes were stolen from the house. Some of them were just copies, but some of them were genuine antiques. Nancy suggests that maybe Mr. Sakamaki had a visitor and he actually gave the pieces to the visitor. Mm-hmm. Maybe the person who stole them was himself. Kiyobu's eyes narrowed and his jaws set. You know, his multiple jaws. Yep. Maybe it was the man who brought the odd fish, he declared. The odd fishman. Apparently, Mr. Sakamaki Sr. had been visited by a red-haired man who brought a frogfish. I looked it up. It's a real thing. Yeah, and, you know, it goes into detail about this frogfish, which he shows off. The owner of this fish was Mr. Ralph Emler. Kiyabu was then tasked with going to Honolulu to find a proper aquarium for this fish, Mm -hmm. which in the end only lived for a few hours. Yeah. And it was the next day that they noticed these statuettes had been stolen. So did Mr. Sakamaki die that day? Did Ralph... Humler also murdered uh, 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 Mr. Sakamaki Sr. Oh, maybe? Poison him or something. <laughs> because they said that it was after he died that the statuettes went missing. Yeah. And the frogfish isn't poisonous, typically. Kiyabu says, I understand you are a famous girl detective. I'm afraid poor Kiyabu could offer no help. Here is something I'm really starting to dislike, is whenever any character uses their own name. It just weirds me out. I'm just like, don't do that. During the balance of the afternoon, Nancy walked around and around the Golden Pavilion, trying to figure out what its secret might be, and utterly fails. This mystery is going to be a real challenge, she told Ned. Walking around it didn't solve it? What? Gonna be tougher than I thought. Some of the other Emerson fellows have uh, challenged them to an outrigger race, which they, of course, win. A boat race. It's made a big deal of that they have women on their team, so how are they going to possibly beat the all-boys teams? Well, as Ned points out, one thing that helps is to have women who row like men. What? It's such a, it's such a fun step up of misogyny, because at first it's like can women be good enough to compete with men? Mm-hmm. And when the answer is yes, it can't just be yes. It has to be yes because they're like men. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, like, they almost lost until they thought of the idea to say row together. Yeah, Ned thought of the strategy, <laughs> Which obviously. I guess if you've ever seen, like, canoe racing, they'll go stroke, stroke. I guess Ned invented that. And before this, mm-hmm. everyone just kind of paddled as they would. Yeah. And you hoped you wouldn't go in a circle. Back at the estate... Nancy spots a woman wearing a long white muumu crawling from beneath the pavilion. A ghost? George reassures them, but she couldn't have crawled from beneath the pavilion. Wrong again, George. <laughs> I wonder if she's the ghost Kiabu saw, Nancy mused, and why she's around in the daytime. 
Yeah, ghosts hate sunlight. Nancy's afraid that by the time they get there, the woman will have broken into the house. Mm -hmm. Her plan is for them all to surround the place, which they do. Mm -hmm. However, then they hear a very loud scream and all at the same time from all the different sides of the house run into the house. Meanwhile, the woman escapes out a window. Jumps from the second story. She's fine. And Nancy still wants to know if she just screamed to distract them or if she actually screamed because she was hurt. You know what Nancy needs for this kind of this kind of detective work that she's never had before? A magnifying glass. Yes, Nancy has received as a gift a magnifying glass. And now we get to watch Nancy parade around the house doing mystery work, wowing Kiabu, apparently. It is my favorite thing to imagine her just looking at everything through this magnifying glass. Nancy apparently refers to her magnifying glass as her pride and joy. <laughs> and she's doing all this, like, she's dropping these Sherlock moves. Kiabu, you really should ask Bess not to lean her elbows on the piano. It makes marks. And Dave, when you dance, you better not wear that tan sweater. It sheds. Nothing can hide from my eyes. Then the friends laugh and assure the Kiabu that she didn't even need the magnifying glass. She could have figured that out in the pitch dark. The thing about Nancy is she's always roasting the shit out of us. Nancy finds a sword. Held by a statue. Yeah, she figures out that the woman did in fact hurt herself. She must have just grazed this thing and screamed because of it. Because my magnifying glass Mm -hmm. shows just scrapings of hair and skin. Outside the window, Nancy finds some small light footprints. The woman doesn't weigh much, said Ned. Right? Right, Nancy? Did I do a good job? Right, Nancy agreed. And she runs gracefully. Mm -hmm. She's probably a dancer. Is she the wife of one of the double scorps? Or a double scorp herself. It's an equal opportunity gang. Or is she some other intruder mixed up with the mystery of Kaluakua? Who shows up but a police detective named Sergeant Hawk at the same time as Henry Dutton, who is an executor from the bank, which is handling old grandpa Mr. Sakamaki Sr.'s uh, estate. estate yep. The men addressed most of their remarks to Nancy. I mean, she's the girl detective. The sergeant deduces... The woman probably doesn't usually go around wearing a white muumuu, so that won't be a great identifier. Is he just trying to sound smart? Like, what are you doing? Nancy picks the brain of Mr. Dutton to find out all about these Chatleys who are claiming to be also grandchildren. 'er Ne'er-do-well siblings. It does look like they probably are the siblings. They have a lot of papers that seem to prove it. Mm -hmm. Nancy asks if they have a lawyer, and Mr. Dutton says, no, but today they threatened to get one. (laughs) Nancy asks, okay, so you say the paperwork's pretty good, Mr. Dutton. Do you doubt if they're who they say they are? Mm -hmm. And of course he does. He agrees to send Nancy the address that the Chatleys are living at right Mm -hmm. now. I wanted so badly for these guys to be the real deal. I just think it would be funny if it's like, sorry, you didn't know your grandpa. Nancy receives a gift from a secret admirer. It's a long box. Nancy lifts the black lay from the box. That's beautiful. Almost puts it around her neck. Yeah. Before Kiabu stops her saying, no, black lays are for funerals. (gasps) 
At which point Nancy finally sees that it's covered in spikes. Poison spikes. Nancy does some detective work and tracks down the woman who sold this lay to the criminal. She didn't know it was going to be poison. Nancy is confused why anyone would try to harm her. Yeah, what are people mad about this stuff? George reminds her that they want her gone. Oh yeah, that's right. That's probably what it is. They decide not to tell Hannah about the lay incident and hide it in the closet. Yeah, you don't want to bother Hannah. Hopefully no one will put this on. I 100% expected somebody later in this book to put this lay on and get poisoned. That is what I, like I thought they were foreshadowing that, but it does not happen. Don't worry. Mm -mm. Ned has decided he will later come back for it and bury it. Or if the police want it, they can have it. Emma and Hannah have become really good friends at this point. And they are now culinary friends. They are cooking together. Tonight, the meal is strictly mainland. Mm. Roast beef with lemon meringue pie for dessert. That's a very mainland food. Mm. Greets them with a friendly jibe. For Pete's sake, where have you been? He reassures them that they have caught the biggest fish of the season. This fish is an ulua. Ulua. And what a time we had capturing the old boy. He was a real fighter and towed our outrigger along as if it were a feather. Only Bess was impressed. (laughs) But when they saw the fish, the girls did have to admit that it was a good sized fish. They were almost impressed until Dave said, we may as well tell you the truth. Hero Ned speared this fish all by himself. And uh, I guess it wasn't too much of a battle. They say it was underwater that he did it? Yeah, he just goes underwater with a spear. So I find it so funny that Ned is like, let's work up an appetite for this huge fish we caught. And Hannah warns, don't work up too much of an appetite because we're having a luau tonight. And that doesn't make any sense to me. Is her claim that they should not have an appetite so that they eat hardly any of Ned's fish. So that they're hungry later. For the luau. It's like she was trying to say don't ruin your dinner, but doesn't have any idea how anything works. The Armstrongs, knowing that they wouldn't want to go to their estate Mm -hmm. and maybe miss some clues some secret pavilion clues have agreed to come to Kaluakua and cook the feast there we're not talking about bringing over a casserole the estate already has a pit in the garden where pigs are roasted sure mmm I can't wait best remarked and began to lick her lips in anticipation of the feast they haven't even gone swimming yet your lips are going to be all chapped and ruined by tonight Bess don't start licking them now this is the first time we've really seen Nancy just notice Ned. As Nancy glanced toward Ned, she detected a slightly hurt expression on his face. I thought we were going to eat my fish forever. It won't taste any better than this fish. I'm sorry Bess is not licking her lips over your ulua. It's going to be delicious. Later, Nancy suggests that the whole group go on an exhaustive search of the premises. We did a search, but let's exhaust ourselves. (laughs) Yeah, that's what you do before a luau. That's what Hannah meant. Yeah. Nothing came to light, however. Bess, heaving a great sigh, remarked, I'm afraid that Grandpa Sakamaki was just spoofing. Just one last gotcha from the grave. Yeah, her theory is that he didn't want the estate sold ever, so he made up this secret. That's pretty messed up. George, however, finally crawls beneath a heavy teakwood table and discovers that there a secret drawer and there are some things in it i wasn't excited until i found out there were 
things in the drawer. It's a number of dark wooden statuettes. Mm -hmm. The museum's going to hold on to them until they determine whose they are and... If they have any value. Yeah. Historic or otherwise. Mr. Dutton agrees that that's legal. Hannah decides she wants to sit in the garden. Mm -hmm. And Nancy, realizing she has spent basically zero time with Hannah on this trip so far, decides to go sit with her. Unfortunately, disaster can always strike. Especially for Nancy Drew. Kyubu calls out in a language that the girls don't understand. I guess the good news is when someone yells at you, it doesn't matter what they're yelling. And surely enough, uh, Nancy looks just in time to dodge these white hot tongs. That he had just been using them in the coals. Yeah. So they are hot. Yes. Mercy, Bess exclaimed. I hope that Bess starts saying mercy as much as George says hypers. Yeah, yeah. So they chase the man. They do not catch him. They watch him drive off in a small black car. And you know who drives black cars. Bad guys. Yeah. The double scorps. One of the scorps, I'll bet, says George. Why, Nancy, you might have been killed by those heavy tongs, says Bess. And after all the things Nancy has been injured with throughout these mysteries, I just... Don't don't believe she could have been killed by these heavy tongs being thrown from like a considerable distance away. Now, like injured, maybe slowed down so we had to wait for this case to be solved. Yes. But killed? Really? Yeah, uh, maybe a bad facial scar. Nancy was silent. She was a bit shaken by the experience and was puzzled as to who the man might be. Yeah. I don't think it's that O'Keefe guy. I think, uh, I think I saw him touching his fingers together as he ran away. <laughs> Obviously, as always, once everyone's caught, they start divvying up their various crimes but yeah. it, it was one of them one of those double scorps one of those scorpos <laughs> scorpos Sergeant Hawk was also greatly concerned when he learned about this Tongs incident. He did not mention sending anyone to guard the place, however, and Nancy did not bring up the subject. Again, the the police budget in Hawaii just stretched to its limit. When the three boys arrived back at the house, it specifies that they were all wearing very gay Aloha shirts. Yeah, real, real ick moment for the girls. These shirts are in honor of the luau. Oh, Nancy. Nancy says, I suppose we should be wearing moo-moos or hula costumes. Luckily, Mrs. Armstrong has a moo for each of them. Yep. A white one for Nancy, a blue for Bess, and a pale green for George. I'm gonna stick around after this so I can take care of you, Ned says, hearing about that iron tong incident. Nancy smiled appreciatively. So they all did some further searching, but nothing came of it. I'm really tired of hearing about the searching by this point in the Yeah, book. I think Nancy just needs to learn to search when it's the right time in the book for her to find a clue because otherwise she just won't this luau by the way is definitely the meal of the book sounds delicious af it's a party and a half luscious looking pineapples mm-hmm. bananas mm-hmm. sticky paste like porridge mm-hmm. doesn't sound like my cup of tea but even that sounds exciting to me given that everything else is so good i trust this cook. This paste-like porridge is made from the root of the taro plant. Mm -hmm. They also have a coconut and squid salad. Yep. A fish roasted brown with sea salt and served with crushed kakui nuts. Mm. A coconut shell filled with salmon, onion, and tomatoes. It's like the Hawaiian bread bowl. White squares of delicious coconut pudding. Ooh. And, of course, a roasted frickin' pig. No spam, though. They never eat spam in this book. Mrs. Armstrong is pleased because Nancy and her friends really look like Hawaiians. 
names. They have to find their place at this table. Their place cards have their names, but there's a catch. What? Their names are in Hawaiian. Hawaiian names? Mm-hmm. It's like when I was in high school, we got our, like, Spanish names in Spanish class, that kind of thing. Oh, dear, says girl detective Nancy Drew. How can I ever find mine? Could be anything. Guess I have to go talk to Professor Wharton. Yeah. So much fun is had as they try to find their names. Nancy is first to discover hers. Carl Googled this, and we could find nothing about Ain being a Hawaiian name. Yeah, I, I want to make sure I have the pronunciation right. And a pronunciation guide said, Ain, Scottish. (laughs) But Nancy says, it's a little like my American name. Nancy Ain, I guess. Yeah, Hannah is next. Her name is literally Anna Polanyi. So I I presume that stands for Hannah Francis. Oh, I thought it was standing for Hannah Bobana. Her and Mrs. Armstrong are such good friends at this point that Mrs. Armstrong has figured out her middle name specifically for this nobody else gets a middle name hannah's special yeah middle name is like a third date question too so that's pretty pretty serious mm-hmm. uh friendship nobody else can figure out theirs Bess's name is elicopeka yep george's is kaoki makes sense ned's is eloine bert is topaka and it specifies that bert was seated next to george sure dave's is kawiki and he's seated next to Bess. nice oh this is such fun Nancy exclaimed. To herself, Nancy adds, and I hope nothing happens tonight to mar this beautiful party. Yeah, okay. Nancy, yes, you you want... Come on. Don't try to... Don't try to uh, reverse psychology the universe. They surprise them with some guitarists who show up to play for them. Yeah, like I said, this is no small feat, this luau. They literally have entertainment show up. Bess uh, especially thinks it's romantic. Nancy's just happy that her chum apparently had forgotten her fears. Kiabu is not at the luau because he has decided he is guarding the grounds from now on. Yeah. Now, I know this isn't how you read this. There's a sentence here that says, Before going to bed, she and Ned took a stroll around the grounds and spoke to Kiabu. Uh-huh. Now, I know they're going to go to separate beds, but it is not made clear. No, 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 no. That says one bed. It doesn't say before going to their beds. It says going to bed. Yeah. Ned specifically says, how about me spelling you? Which means he wants to take up watch at some point during the night, I guess, for a spell, perhaps. Oh. But Kiabu insists on doing it all himself. He takes up watch all night. Nothing happens. So he decides, that's it. No more bad guys. Mm-hmm. Done, 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 and done. So Ned asks Ain on a date. He says they should go skin diving. Skinny diving? Halloween awaits you, he says. After he had adjusted a transparent helmet over her head and strapped an oxygen tank on her back, Nancy slipped her feet into flippers. This is the next morning, by the way, not before they go to bed. (laughs) Yep, Ned then puts on his equipment. They go down in the water. Nancy is fascinated by the myriads of small fish in various colors. You have to remember they're used to skin diving in the Muskoka River. If you go scuba diving Mm -hmm. in the Muskoka, you're mostly going to find like mud, clams and of course submarines shaped like sharks but wait just then a huge fish its jaws wide open only a few feet away from nancy's face snap 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 a man-eating shark she thought forgetting everything kiabu has 
freaking taught her. All the legends, all the lore, right out the window. Ned, who had become aware of the shark at almost the same moment, gave Nancy a tremendous push upwards. Which doesn't work the same underwater. Unless he was standing on the ground, he also gave himself a push downwards. They raced towards shore, constantly looking back over their shoulders to see if they were being followed. They dropped down panting and telling each other what a narrow escape they had. (laughs) Until Kiabu comes and tells them, uh... None of of the sharks. They tell their heroic story to the others, and Kiabu says, I do not wish to take away anything from your bravery. Listen, but you did running from that fish was amazing but in the waters of the hawaiian islands there are no man-eating sharks he probably just wanted to give you some literature guys boy do i feel silly ned exclaimed well live and learn kiabu said with a twinkle in his eyes (laughs) don't you remember my lesson he asks Bess says, there may not be any man-eating sharks around here, but there are some human sharks. It's weirdly insulting because we're just saying how gentle and majestic these sharks are. Mm-hmm. Like, And she's like, well, your sharks may not eat people, but sharks are evil and dangerous and there's some people who I would call a shark. <laughs> yep. Well, Nancy says, I've been playing long enough. I must get back to work on the mystery at once. Sorry, Ned, your romantic vacation is over. You expect at this point Bess to frown in some way, but instead she smiles real big and she's like, me and Dave have been doing some solving of the mystery, Nancy. It's very unusual. We decided to try surprising you. They definitely found the door to the pavilion. It's not a big enough space that they should have been hard. Even checking for hollow sounds as you walk around, but it's fine, whatever. Well, it was easy enough that Bess could do it. Let's just say that. Well, and to To be fair, when Bess did it, it's because it was left open. Well, and you know Dave didn't help. He was probably just trying to kiss her the whole time. To be fair, Dave's no Bert. I mean, he helped some. (laughs) He didn't just stand and make sarcastic comments. Dave's the more sarcastic one. Oh, Bert's the sarcastic one. I don't know. I can't tell him apart. Before we hear Bess's story of her sleuthing, we have to take time out for Nancy to go take a shower and put on a sundress. And everybody gathers again to hear Bess's story. Well, Nancy has to calm down after finding out that there was sleuthing done without her. Bess says... I feel now as though I really belong on your detective team, Nancy. And it's like, finally, finally, they've been waiting for this. <laughs> I've made it. So there's a cunningly concealed door. It swings inward. Not only that, but they did go inside. There's a three foot space between the ground and the floor of the pavilion. Dave dug around in the dirt, found a small metal chest. Inside, he found two identical symbols <gasps> that looked a little like men. They were joined at the base. Why, says Nancy, this is a sketch of a silver sword plant. The only place in the world that it grows is in the Haleakala crater over the island of Maui. You're practically right, Bert dares to correct Nancy Drew. Oh, Bert, watch yourself. There also are some silver sword plants in desolate sections of the island of Hawaii. Anyway, it's a marvelous clue, I'm sure, says Nancy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Bert's gonna go to sleep tonight and not wake up in the morning. Well, George also did some sleuthing, 
and she figured out that the translation to this symbol, I love how George claims that she has translated this clue. Mm-hmm. But in fact, she had Kiabu translate it. Yeah. The symbol means Nakanada, which is Polynesian for men. And we'll have to take Carolyn Keene's word on this. Because I Google searched it and uh, I didn't find anything. Nancy is delighted with the additional find. This is simply wonderful. Thanks a million. She wants to add her own like little spice to it though. So I guess she decides that it's two men or twins. You know, Nancy's off skin diving while her friends are the ones doing this scavenger hunt. Uh That's how below her it is. Yeah, yeah. So Nancy decides they should go to the Haleakala crater and try to find a clue to where this treasure is hidden. There's a drawing of a silver sword plant, then you're really going to either want to go to the crater or desolate parts of Hawaii that we won't mention. So at this point, Ned, who has been strangely quiet this whole time since he also contributed nothing to this, <laughs> speaks up and says, well, maybe the chest has nothing to do with Mr. Sakamaki Sr.'s case. Maybe that woman in the white muumuu just hid it there. Just like there needs to, I need to add something. Yeah, and he's wrong, of course. Yeah. Kiabu says that can't be true. I am sure Mr. Sakamaki Sr. put the chest there himself. Why? Why? Because he was a man who was very learned and also full of fun. You know what? A box under a pavilion is fun. It's a lot of fun. Ghosts aren't fun, so yeah. That convinces me, Nancy declared. I'm going to Halakala Crater. Who wants to come along? As if she needed convincing, since it was her idea to begin with. Uh, you know what? Now that you say I'm right, I think I'm right. <laughs> Kiabu hooks them up with a guide who knows the mountains and the history of the volcanoes. He says, if anyone on this island can help you solve the mystery, this is your guy. Because this is the first guide they get. Both of them really have a feeling of being tour guides. This is where I realize that this is just a vacation. Because <laughs> they're just going on fun tours. Nancy Wright then receives a very legitimate, no reason to question it, most reliable form of communication we know about. The telegram. The telegram saying that her dad is going to arrive at the airport. So Ned and Nancy go out to meet him Mm -hmm. and he doesn't arrive at the airport. What? Yeah. But the telegram. It's not so much a trap as a waste of time. Carson (laughs) Drew bought a ticket. Yeah. Decided he didn't want to go. Yeah. But then the double scorps stole his identity and and reinstated reinstated the the ticket. Okay. So the double scorp came over as Carson Drew. Which was in the end far less about stealing Carson's identity and I guess more about making sure he got a plane ticket. Well, I sent her the telegram to get her to the go to the airport because then she's just going to figure out that you stole Carson Drew's identity. So it's all really just to make Nancy worry a little bit. Yep. <laughs> And, of course, she wastes her own money buying a lay for her father. Yeah! It's at this point that she checks in with Mr. Sakamaki. He says, hey, I'm going to hire a private detective. I guess at this time, because you didn't have cell phones, your only option was to hire a private detective. To look for someone who you were looking for. They're wondering whether they should cancel their trip to Maui. But then we get a big surprise. But then her dad called her on the phone and resolved the whole thing. Yeah. That Los Angeles detective that Mr. Sakamaki hired is a whiz. He just checked the guy's hotel or something. So who shows up right then but Janet Lee and Roy Chatley. And they've got luggage. They are moving in. They say, we are the grandchildren of Sakamaki. Maki Sr. and we have as much right to stay here as you do. Maybe more right to stay here. And Mr. Dutton agrees. 
legally they do. Mm-hmm. Mr. Dutton tells all about all the proof, mm-hmm. and it is sounding pretty convincing. It's a good amount of proof. I just want it to be true. Like, it would be I, I just so funny. Want them to actually be the grandchildren. It's like you can't solve something if the answer is what you don't want it to be. Not only that, but they insist on having the biggest rooms, kicking you know Hannah and Nancy and everyone out. Nancy's yeah. upset because somebody was gonna room with somebody else in one of the big rooms. Specifically, Ned and Carson. But they're all leaving anyways yeah. to go to Maui. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The sooner you folks move out, the better we'll like it, says Roy. You can tell they're up to something. Mm-hmm. He also rudely assumes the boys are going to help them with the luggage. Yeah. And Ned's like, I'll help you with your luggage when someone tells me it's okay to do so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, what worries Nancy is that there's going to be no one to keep an eye on these devious siblings while they're off looking at silver swords. Luckily, Mr. Dutton is going to send over a private detective of his own, John Gerald. This guy is coming over just to keep an eye on these two. And we've decided a funny little prank to play would be not to tell them what John Gerald's job is. Yeah, he's just a friend. He's just a guy. And I expected him to not actually be John Gerald because the only way Nancy was going to know he was John Gerald is he was going to wear a green tie. No one ever has ID on them. They always have to wave a napkin or wear a tie or whatever. But this poor man shows up only to apparently be poisoned the entire time just like he's immediately there and spend the whole time sick yeah so nancy has a theory about this nakanata symbol that means men mm-hmm. she says i think it is two men in this image mm-hmm. maybe there's two statuettes buried near a silver sword plant well that's probably not true oh i know identical twins that's all it really could be and probably brothers yeah not sisters who are twins mm-hmm. for a second i was like yeah hope twins have to be siblings almost <laughs> always if they're lucky they're gonna get to the rim of this volcano just in time to see the specter of brocken oh the specter another ghost no it's like a natural phenomenon Ugh. Uh, sounds your, very cool yeah you'll see your reflection in a rainbow which circles the clouds that like subtle in the crater sounds spooky and wonderful best remarked it's like some tourism company that had yeah had reached, carolyn wrote it right a book yeah, for him yeah nancy does some research finds out that there are several retired professors and other students of volcanology and polynesian lore who live in maui mm, but are any of them twins this is all she's daydreaming as she's seeing beautiful waterfalls and other you know things (laughs) she also gets to see a silver sword plant hawaiian stuff which hannah thinks is exquisite they all do get to see the specter and it's amazing beautiful george thinks it's so amazing she decides to go past the fence to the edge of the cliff Nancy follows her. George walks off the cliff. Yeah, like you do. Nancy catches her. It has to be one of those whole, like, ropes of friends who all, you know, everybody's tugging somebody else. Once again, George doesn't hurt anything, only her her pride. pride. Which is very badly wounded by this point, I'd imagine. What a dumb thing to do, she says. (laughs) So she and Nancy do feel shaken up and have a few bruises. So they would rather go home at this point. Or go back to the hotel. Bess was glad that dinner was ready. Yeah. I'm starving, she said. Stop it, Bess. So this is also a nice meal. I'd eat this. A yeah. large slice of papaya mm. covered with chunks of pineapple, banana, and mango. Hell yeah. And 
sprinkled with shredded coconuts. Mm. The uh, boys remark upon receiving their uh, tropical fruit first course, they're going to really miss this kind of food when they head back to Emerson. No fresh fruit at Emerson. Usually their first course is, I think they said beans? Yeah, apparently they usually start with bean soup. Nancy gets very serious. She is now deduced that there are twins <laughs> who live nearby who are specifically interested in the silver sword plant. Mm-hmm. Luckily, Mr. Blake, the manager, happens to know that that's true. And he points the way to the Anderson brothers who have made a special study of the silver sword plant. Mm-hmm. The Anderson brothers, their theory about where the silver sword plant came from. I don't from, know where this came from. Because it is so different than other plants. Yeah. Their theory is that the original seeds had been shot from space when the planet Earth was being formed and then lain dormant for like a long time. So but what does that mean, shot from space? Carl, it's the best explanation, okay? Okay, all right, all right. I have no more, no further questions. <laughs> they say, we are scientists. We have a great deal more studying to do, and it is possible we'll change our minds. Okay, well, keep us updated. Perhaps I could call them and make an appointment, Nancy says, and that works. They knew Mr. Sakamaki very well. Mm-hmm. And in fact, before he died, he left some special instructions. And they love mysteries. <laughs> so, so this is perfect. Yeah. It turns out they were told by Mr. Sakamaki, who was full of fun and incidentally full of, quote-unquote, sage oriental sayings. He also took great pleasure in thinking up clues to the solution of this puzzle. So now we finally know that there is in fact a puzzle, that this is in fact supposed to be a scavenger hunt. He always said he wanted his heir to work to unfathom it. Well, tough, tough shit. Give me the clue. Yeah, yeah. But they give her the clue anyways. They were told, this is what we should say if anyone ever comes around asking the types of questions you're asking. And what they're supposed to say is, watch the angel birds over Mount Aloha. Nancy tries to grill them a little further, but with coy grins, they say, that's all we're allowed to tell you. (laughs) It was clear to Nancy they had no intention of breaking any promise that they had given old Mr. Sakamaki. You'd never break a promise with a dead man. They have some insight into the Chatleys. He couldn't have had another wife in California. He only lived there for a few days. In fact, I've got letters from him that are dated that just may prove that he was in Japan at the time of the alleged familification. Yeah, I don't have them here. I've got them in a bank vault. Mm -hmm. I'll fly there. No problem. It's then that Nancy checks in with Kiabu, who informs them that Mr. Gerald is sick. And the siblings are plain awful. Yeah, Miss Drew, those people are impossible. Always they are ordering me to go on errands. But that part is not so bad as the rest. Mrs. Lee and Mr. Chatley have had company here all the time. The people who come are very rough. They have broken much furniture. And worst, they've smashed some of his flowers that he was growing. The oh, rare ones. Oh, that's true. Yeah, they ruined the garden, too. He said they were playing some strange game. I imagine it was like lawn darts or like <laughs> horseshoes. I don't know. 
are Janet Lee and Roy Chatley knowingly entertaining members of the Double Scorps at Kaluakua. Hiobu thinks that these people are here to have a good time, but they have very bad manners. Mm. While Nancy says, if things get too bad, I suggest you call the police. Thanks, Nance. There is a idea in Nancy's head that maybe the private detective is pretending to be sick so he can keep a better eye on them. But that doesn't come up again because he's not. So now for some more sightseeing. Yep. They have a new guide. They see a bulk sugar storage plant. Wow. It's so big that George thinks you could fit the Empire State Building inside. Sure. So much refined sugar. What fun. Oh, they also get to see giant ferns. Yeah, biggest trees. They do a little, you know, Insta photo shoot. Yeah, apparently they get all like these really good pictures with them, so great. Yeah, Mrs. Gruen is worried at first about snakes, but guess what? <laughs> no poisonous snakes on mm-hmm. Hawaii. Hypers, says George about the ferns. Hypers, what a, we heard that before? What a fan one of these would make. Yeah. Well, says the guide, I'll show you some burning water. Oh, yes. It's horrid smelling water, and he proceeds to start throwing matches in it, which creates small explosions. Hannah's scared, but Nancy assures her the tour guide would never do anything dangerous. Yeah. By the very act of him doing it, it must be safe. Yeah. So it turns out there's hydrogen sulfide gas. That's what smells so bad. And we get a whole lesson on how volcanoes are made. Bess looks a little puzzled. You mean that the pressure of the gases forces the molten rock to burst out of the earth and that's how volcanoes erupt? We didn't learn that in Homac. <laughs> exactly, the guide replied. If you're lucky, you may see an eruption on Mauna Loa while you're here. Oh, I hope not, said Bess fearfully. The guide reassures them that they have great scientists tracking the volcanoes at all times but Bess is still worried yeah this is the most exciting place I've ever visited George says to Nancy and I'm glad Bess is over her fright about volcanoes she admits that she feels a little worried too and they get even more lessons and how the scientists can track the volcanoes and there's no danger at all mm-hmm. now they get to go see one of the most fantastic motion pictures they had ever seen of volcanoes yeah you go to Hawaii you're gonna want to see a movie No lives were lost during this eruption, the narrator explained, but a couple of dozen buildings were. All of the girls were awestruck by the thought of what Mother Nature can do. Meanwhile, the double scorps are destroying and torturing the the entire estate. And they're like, let's see a movie. Finally, Nancy gets to see the angel birds. Mm. Watching them, she figures out what Grandfather Sakamaki meant. I I can't even stand it. Because like, (laughs) it's not another symbol it's not another clue it's just you know what birds do if we swoop down low over the golden pavilion i'm sure that we will find either another clue or perhaps the answer to the riddle birds mean flying it sounds reasonable best remarks but what are you going to swoop down in george answered a parachute a plane of course silly but it ends up being a helicopter because they set it up already we know that <laughs> It's decided that Ned and Nancy will secretly, undercover, return to the estate. The other friends will call up the estate and say they're returning the next day. Buying Nancy and Ned some undercover time. Secret undercover time. They decide to trust the tour guide to help them find a helicopter pilot. Good old Ken Brown. Ken Brown, helicopterist. Slender Mainlander with a blonde crew cut and flashing blue eyes. 
a secret mission, eh? He asked, grinning. Sounds good. Climb in. Okay. From the air, they notice some peculiar things. They pass over this pavilion. Every time Nancy's like, no, you need to get lower. You need to get lower. Come on, land me. The whole time they're trying to make sure that nobody in the estate sees this helicopter swooping over this pavilion Meanwhile, they're at like second story height. <laughs> loudest thing you can possibly be in. Yeah, but nobody did notice. Yep. And Nancy sees something fairly interesting. One of the flower beds is in the shape of a plumiera blossom. <gasps> also, one petal is a little longer than the other. A others. little longer. And where does it point to? It points right to the pavilion. That's where we'll find a box, which will lead us to the twins, which will lead us to the birds. Luckily, Nancy decides that it must be pointing to the roof of the pavilion. There's a flower on the roof of the pavilion. On yeah. the roof of the pavilion. In the center of it is a symbol that Nancy quickly sketches into her notepad. Then she opens her book and translates the symbol. Because she's been collecting symbols from various books. Yeah, you can just do that. And objects in the museum. And pieces of furniture. And advertisements. <laughs> the symbol on the top means king. Whoa. Good sleuthing, Ned commented. Maybe the pavilion belonged to a king. Nancy thinks that on the roof itself is buried in the roof a treasure worthy of a king. If you're right, said Ned, you're about to solve one of the most intriguing mysteries in your career. I I call BS. I mean, he didn't say interesting. Nancy admitted that she could hardly wait to investigate the roof of the pavilion. She tells Ned, you're going to have the honor of digging up the treasure on the roof. Meanwhile, I'll protect you by being a dancing ghost in the moonlight. Ned's brow wrinkled. I don't get it. Me neither, Ned. But go with it. I mean, it makes sense to me. She's gonna serve as a distraction underneath. If anybody approaches, she'll run off and they'll follow her. She can hide the ladder that way, so the ladder isn't just obviously sitting there. If she just wasn't a ghost, maybe no one would look over. But whatever. Well, Ned says, you'd better not let anything go wrong and leave me stranded up on that roof. Earlier in the book, someone jumped from the second story. I'm sure you can get down from a pavilion roof, Ned. Until night, they stay with the Armstrongs and keep requesting that they not go outside, that they close the windows. No one can see us. Yeah. Mrs. Armstrong lets Nancy borrow not only a white muumuu, but also some white veils. Mm -hmm. Get all ghosted up. We'll press these things in a jiffy and you'll be all set for your part as a hula ghost dancer. Nancy would not put Mrs. Armstrong out that way, though. She's going oppress them herself. It specifies that while this woman work, this ironing is going on, Mrs. Armstrong is chatting with Nancy. Meanwhile, Ned has found a record player and was enjoying a variety of Hawaiian tunes. (laughs) Keep yourself occupied, Ned. At dinner, conversation was both jolly and serious. I love a group that can really, like, ride Ride that line. Yeah. Ned fills his pockets with tools. Very smart. (laughs) Sure. And off they go into the night. Ned's scrambles nimbly up the ladder. Right away, Nancy sees far down on the beach a moving light. So she hurriedly puts on her costume. Mm -hmm. That moving light gets closer and closer. Her heart is pounding. She's dancing the hula. (laughs) She keeps wondering how Ned was making out. Without her, how does he manage that? Mm -hmm. For a moment, as this light gets closer to her, Nancy feels like running. But her courage returned. <laughs> I mustn't desert Ned, she commanded herself. I gotta be a ghost. <laughs> when suddenly... She's startled by a voice, which seems to hiss at her from a short distance away. <laughs> 
At first, she thinks this hissing must be Ned. But sure. then she sees another man. I love that it's specified that she holds one of her scarves across her face. <laughs> Not suspicious at all. Nope, that's how hula dancers move. Keep on dancing while I talk, the stranger ordered. And for ten minutes after I leave. Kiabu is afraid of you and he won't come while you're here. Nancy was elated. Her ruse was working. <laughs> the man sat down on the ground and began strumming his fingers on the edge of the pavilion steps. But did he then touch them together? <gasps> Suddenly, he raised his two forefingers and touched them together. The oo of the scorps. <laughs> Nancy almost cried aloud, but she kept on dancing as she said to herself, this man must be Jim O. Keith. It's a good thing, he says, you showed up tonight, Millie. If you decided to Welsh on us, your life and that of your double-crossing husband wouldn't have lasted long. Nancy pretended to shiver, and the man gave a low, sardonic laugh. <laughs> now listen, tomorrow night, you're going to repeat this dance. Nancy Drew and the rest of her gang put off returning until tomorrow. They'll come out to watch you, and then we'll nab them all. Kill him. O'Keefe went on to say that Nancy's group would be taken to a mountain cabin, tied up, and left to starve. Sakamaki will come next, the man said harshly. In the meantime, we'll all clear out but the grandchildren. He guffawed sardonically. We'll leave them to get control of the estate for us. Nancy, as Millie, made no reply. <laughs> O'Keefe got up, laughed softly, and went towards the house. I guess we got here just in time, Nancy said to herself. Ned heard everything from the roof. Yeah. He jumps down and he's like, let's get out of here fast as possible. So he didn't need the ladder. Oh, but wait, he adds jubilantly, I have the king's treasure. <gasps> it's a long, very colored cape made of bird's feathers. Beautiful. Why, this is one of those ceremonial capes made from this extinct oo bird, Nancy exclaimed softly, a museum piece. Even though they said they were going to hurry off, instead, Ned does a fashion show with this cape. Yep. And then they get kidnapped. Locked inside the pavilion by four men. I mean, the odds were against the couple. They got jumped. Not only that, the ancient cape was taken away and they're bound and gagged. Not only that, the door was slammed shut on them. Oh, like, no. That was just like extra. They got really strong fingers. It's a tough thing to slam. Yeah. We uncovered the secret only to have it snatched out of our hands at the last moment. Nancy wailed silently. What does that mean? I mean, I assume in her head, but like... Everyone here, everyone listen to this silent wail. <sighs> Meanwhile, Ned silently berated himself for not having protected Nancy better. Well, they wriggle and they roll and they help each other. And of course they escape. They're never, no one's Easy ever tied up well, yeah. Oh, this is a fine mess to be in, said Ned. Oh, Nancy, I should never have let you get in the clutches of these awful people. Should have never let you go to Hawaii. Ned now wants to get away from there for real as fast as as possible but nancy says no 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 this is the perfect time for detective work <laughs> and of course nancy wins that argument so they approach the house nancy gives a gasp of horror as she sees that kiaboo and emma are gagged and bound and tied to chairs oh no well at least they got chairs in the living room they saw signs of great activity so they overhear quite an incriminating conversation <laughs> some people are trying to praise millie because apparently that's how they figured out that was Nancy because Millie showed up just in time to tell them uh, I wasn't just dancing.
thing. I mean, I've been in the house. And so that's why they ran off and, and captured Ned and Nancy. Well done, Millie. Yeah. But somebody else is like, no, Millie's still bad. Let's not do that. Millie's husband dares to put on the feather cape and dance around in it. These people. Who does he think he is, Ned? But Roy Chatley says, hey, if anybody's going to wear it, O'Brien's the guy. He's the king of us Oh, he's the scores. king of this gang. It was really confusing to me, but apparently this is where we find out that O'Keefe's real name is O'Brien. He stayed Irish the whole time, and that was cool. The man known as O'Keefe and O'Malley now got up from his chair and took the cape. Yes, he said haughtily, Mike O'Brien is head of this outfit. King of the Scarps. Again, talking in third person. It's really weird. We must have this gang apprehended, Nancy thinks. Meanwhile, who enters the room but allegedly Dr. Scribner? They all share a good laugh about their patient who's being deliberately made ill. Yeah, they've been poisoning the private detective. Nancy and Ned doubted that the man they called Dr. Scribner was a licensed physician at all. He too must be one of the gang. Every gang needs its uh, own doctor. So Nancy's seen enough. She says, let's go to Kiyobu's cottage and call the police. Mm-hmm. Mr. Drew, Mr. Sakamaki, and Professor Nils Anderson said that they would drive out immediately. Ned now reveals that he had also found a letter. Thank you, my grandchild, for working so hard to come along with me on this journey. I hope we've grown closer together and you've learned about your Polynesian heritage, Mm -hmm. which I hope you now treasure as much as this duplicate, it's a duplicate, by the way, of a cape worn by a king. Ned says, but you, Nancy, solved the mystery, not Nikio Sakamaki's grandson. And Nancy's just like, shut up, shut up, shut up. A moment later, Nancy was in her father's arms, and Ned was shaking hands with Professor Nils Anderson. And Mr. and Mrs. Armstrong looked on, smiling broadly. The police have surrounded the house and yep. arrested all the double scorps. Pretty much that took place off camera. Apparently there were two Nikio Sakamakis. Both came from Japan. So the reason so much of their evidence led to truth is because it was about a Sakamaki. And those kids are just in California having no idea that any of this went down. Well, you know it's time for Nancy to help the police get a confession. Yeah. All these double scorps stared in stupefaction and disbelief as Nancy and Ned came in the room. Whoa, Yes, we escaped, said Nancy icily. The sight of the couple and the fact that they had been outwitted by a girl. A goyle? Unnerved Mike O'Brien completely. He readily confessed to his part in the scheme to get part or all of old Mr. Sakamaki's fortune. Mm -hmm. And now we find out what everybody did, which is all the things. Who did the dog napping? Who did the kidnapping? Who did the poisoning? They work it all out. But they don't figure out who he's been selling things to. No. Yeah. Separate crime. They don't, I don't even, I don't even know if they get the briefcase back. Millie also tells them a lot of, like, stuff. Mm-hmm. Because she thinks the double scorps have sure been mean to her. Yeah. No one likes a mean gang. So just then, Bess and George arrive on the scene. And they were Dave worried. And Bert. We heard everything, Bess exclaimed. <laughs> Hug-ging Nancy. Those are two separate 
two separate words. Hugging, yeah. Oh, you wonderful, wonderful creature to solve this mystery. That goes for all of you, Nancy declared. George, paying no attention, cried out, three cheers for Nancy Drew. <laughs> but it's important Nancy Drew tried to give other people credit. Yeah, a little humility. Yeah. Boy, Nancy having... did propose three for Ned. Wait until you hear all he did, she said generously. Yikes. Hannah was a little more sedate in her kiss and hug for Nancy, but it was just as sincere. Now at least I can stop worrying. <laughs> that is until the next case. Nancy herself knew this would be true. She would have adventures and Hannah would worry. Sooner than either of them expected, the young sleuth would be matching wits with the wiliest adversaries <gasps> of her experience. In the mystery of the old stagecoach. In the clue in the old stagecoach. I almost had it. Bass then explained why they had ended up coming back early from Hawaii. Hey, yeah, you're not supposed to be here, Bess. Yeah, they wanted to. She said, I had a hunch there would be excitement. Yeah. And that we should return to take part in it. Kiabu threw the feather cape around Mr. Sakamaki, who was loud in his praise of the Drews and their friends for recovering it and for trapping the double scorps. Mm-hmm. You went way beyond the line of duty, even risked your lives to solve the secret of the golden pavilion uh and he will in fact donate the building now the estate now to honolulu yay some of the secrets have been discovered george proposes some entertainment for the evening i bet i know what she'd like to see andrew will dance the hula for us and eloine nickerson will be crowned king and wear the feather cape nancy and ned laughed and could only laugh and what about Mr. Sakamaki? He thinks that feathered cape is his from his grandpa. Yeah, but Ned really needs this, okay? Mm-hmm. We need to keep Ned's ego stoked every once in a while. Yeah, it was a big vacation. Did she talk about feeling empty? Doesn't feel like she did. No, time. but the, you know, they always just, you know. We assume. I, I feel empty. Assume so. Right? I need another mystery. I know. I'm just a glutton for another mystery. This has been our only one in four months. Well, we're back on it and we're going to be putting them out more regularly we're very excited and i mean there's only one way to say it i'm carl and i'm hope go wildcats need to have a special episode about this video game sometime i have a we have a there's a host of video games we can um oh i don't know put them on our patreon remember to support us at our patreon (laughs) you can email us at riverheightsradio at google.com or find our patreon river heights radio we'd really appreciate it instagram at river heights radio twitter at river heights fm River Heights Radio on Facebook and River Heights Radio on YouTube. Uh, and give us a review or five stars on Apple Podcast or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you're listening. Yeah, if you listen this far, I mean, why not? We actually put a, a lot of hours 